Hello everyone and welcome to our insightful journey into cutting-edge research in computer vision. Today, we've got quite an intriguing paper to unpack, haven't we, Jen? Absolutely, Tom. We're delving, we're delving into the paper titled Depth Anything, Unleashing the Power of Large-Scale Unlabeled Data. This paper is a game-changer because it addresses one of the foundational issues in computer vision, which is monocular depth estimation, or MDE for short. MDE involves estimating the depth information from a single image, and it's crucial for applications like robotics, autonomous driving, and virtual reality. That's right, Jen. The significance of this paper lies in its approach to MDE. The authors aren't crafting new technical modules from scratch. Instead, they're scaling up data sets by creating what they call a data engine. This engine collects and automatically annotates a massive amount of unlabeled data, we're talking around 62 million images. That's huge. Their aim is to reduce the generalization error by enlarging the data coverage. To unravel why this is such a big deal, let's give our listeners a bit of context on foundation models, which this paper taps into. Foundation models are essentially models trained on extensive amounts of data, displaying impressive abilities to perform tasks with zero or few examples. But what makes MDE a challenge is the difficulty in building data sets with tens of millions of depth labels. It's here that the innovation of using large-scale unlabeled data comes into play. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, a quick word on some concepts and terminology. Understanding data scaling up is key. It's essentially increasing the volume and variety of data that a model is trained on to improve its performance and generalization. The terms zero-shot and few-shot learning are also important here. Zero-shot means the model's ability to handle data it hasn't seen before, while few-shot involves quickly adapting with limited examples. Now, the core idea of the paper involves two main strategies to make use of this vast pool of unlabeled images. Firstly, they create a challenging optimization target with data augmentation which essentially forces the model to seek additional visual knowledge and develop robust representations. The second strategy, GEN, revolves around an auxiliary supervision that compels the model to hold on to the rich semantic knowledge from pre-trained encoders. By leveraging these strategies, the model doesn't just exhibit impressive generalization abilities across various scenes, but also sets new state-of-the-art benchmarks when fine-tuned with metric depth information from established datasets. And what this means in practice is that their model, when subjected to zero-shot capability tests across six public datasets and random photos, showed remarkable generalization capacities. Think handling low-light environments, complex scenes, foggy weather, and significant distances, formats and scenarios it had never seen before. The implications of this are broad-ranging and thrilling. Not only do we see superior performance in standard MDE benchmarks, but when the developed model is fine-tuned, it leads to better depth-conditioned models, which are essential for image synthesis and manipulation. In conclusion, Depth Anything stands out as a stark example of the potential unleashed by large-scale, variably annotated imagery. It's not just a leap forward for depth estimation, but also opens up the field to new applications and efficiencies. It's the kind of work that could very well shift how we approach training models in computer vision. We'll be keeping an eye on how this pans out in the real world, and it will be incredibly interesting to see how this impacts other realms of AI. 
For now, this paper stands as a testament to the remarkable things that can be achieved when the data scale is amped up. And on that note, I'd say we've reached the depth of today's topic. Thank you all for tuning in, and we can't wait to dive into another exciting paper in our next episode. Keep exploring, keep learning, and see where data can take you. Until next time, see you in the expansive world of knowledge and innovation. Have you ever tried to paint your house with a picture? No? Well, buckle up because things are about to get wonderfully weird. Introducing PaintMyHome.ai, the app that turns a single photo of your house into a full-blown 3D model, complete with accurate depth estimations. Thanks to the magic unleashed by the paper Depth Anything, unleashing the power of large-scale unlabeled data. Simply snap a photo of your lovely abode, and our AI, which has seen more images than a celebrity paparazzi, can estimate the depth of your driveway down to the last pebble. Want your living room in lavender? Fantasize about a fuchsia front porch? Our AI will show you just how fabulous or frightful that looks, all before you splatter a single drop of paint. Forget about sample swatches. PaintMyHome.ai also estimates the amount of paint you'll need, saving you from the dreaded paint can pyramid in the garage. And if you're feeling spicy, give our random room do button a whirl. Ever seen a kitchen in kaleidoscope colors? You're about to. So say goodbye to monochrome melancholy and hello to a vibrant, virtually painted paradise with Paint My Home, where your photo is the only blueprint we need. Welcome, everyone, to another deep dive on our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have an incredible topic that merges technology and urgency, an exploration of a paper about event detection using satellite imagery and GPS traces. Indeed, we're looking at a paper that's revolutionizing how we respond to events that threaten human life, like natural disasters or conflicts. This is serious, cutting-edge stuff that has the potential to save lives. Absolutely, Tom. With mobile devices everywhere and satellites observing every patch of Earth, there's a treasure trove of data at our disposal. The authors of this study are tapping into it to rapidly identify breaking events. They propose a data fusion methodology, which combines satellite imagery with anonymized, privacy-enhanced mobile data that clues us into human mobility and environmental changes. Think floods, wildfires, and even search and rescue ops. And best of all, it's open source, Tom. This means the technology isn't locked behind company doors. It's out there for public use and improvement. So, let's dissect this paper, shall we? We have a lot to unpack, from objective and methodology to key findings and implications. Jen, ready to delve into the core details? More than ready, Tom. Let's start by setting the scene. So, you have mobile data, time-stamped GPS traces from phones, and then there are high-resolution images from satellites. Each has its strengths, but also weaknesses. Right? Mobile data is great for tracking where people are and how they're moving, but it can't quite tell you what's happening to the environment around them. That's where satellite imagery comes in. The method they propose effectively marries the two. It's a brilliant way to compensate for each other's shortcomings. The satellite gives you visuals of the environment while mobile data fills in the gaps about human activity. They've applied this to a case study for a tornado in Muskogee, Oklahoma. With satellite images and mobile data before and after the event, they not only inferred a natural disaster occurred, but pinpointed damaged areas and travel hotspots. 
In the bigger picture, this method opens doors for better disaster detection in remote areas. Plus, it's a boon for, for search and rescue ops and identifying conflict zones. It's like having a guardian eye in the sky paired with a guardian on the ground. And they've thought of everything. Privacy concerns with the mobile data, spatial partitioning, and ensuring the satellite imagery is on point with correct scaling and color accuracy. The tech they've used is powerful, too. Python for programming, pandas for data wrangling, and specialized libraries for everything from satellite image manipulation to array operations. Now on to the exciting part, the methodology. The researchers divided it into two main modules, analyzing mobile data and satellite imagery, and each comes with its own set of pre-processing and analysis steps. These steps range from spatial partitioning, which is about organizing the data by location, to examining changes before and after an event. You get a complete before and after scenario, which is invaluable in responding to an event. This approach isn't just theoretical. The authors have demonstrated its effectiveness with tangible data and a real-life disaster scenario. Plus, the potential applications they discuss, like aiding in natural disaster response, are profound. The paper also describes in great detail the software and data sets used, providing a roadmap for others to follow or build upon. It's this level of transparency that makes their contribution all the more valuable. Looking at the broader implications, this work could transform how we mobilize rescue efforts or allocate aid following disasters. It's not just about faster responses. It's about smarter, more informed decision-making. As we wrap up, it's clear this paper isn't just an academic exercise. It has real-world relevance and the potential for a meaningful impact on society. It's exciting to see where this kind of data fusion methodology will take us. And we can't forget the implications for privacy and ethics, Jen. As we get better at tracking and interpreting data, we need to ensure that we're doing so responsibly. It's been an enlightening discussion, Tom. I'm eager to see this technology develop further, and more importantly, to witness how it will be used to help those in need. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We can't wait to bring you more discussions like this on the next episode of our podcast. Stay curious, stay informed, and stay tuned. Hey, listeners. Have you ever wondered what the clouds see? Well, we can't give you a cloud's point of view, but we can do one better with the newest, quirkiest company to come out of cutting-edge tech, Orbital Owl. Sound of an owl hoot softly in the background. Orbital Owl, your premier sentry from the skies. We've got eyes sharper than an owl's because they're satellite cameras. But wait, there's more. We don't just watch. We pair our celestial sight with the pitter-patter of little GPS feet on the ground to tell you all about the event. Did Timmy fall down the well again? Orbital Owl's got it covered. Is the annual tomato festival causing unprecedented traffic jams? We've nailed that too. And because we love our planet, we use our powers for good, tracking herds of wild yaks, monitoring rogue ice cream trucks, and even predicting the next backyard barbecue invasion. With Orbital Owl, you're not just getting data, you're getting a hoot of high-flying insights. Is that a lost dog or the neighbor's questionable lawn art? Let Orbital Owl be your guide. So, if you need a bird's-eye view with some ground-level gossip, holler for your Orbital Owl, because sometimes you need a feathered friend with a satellite subscription.
Call now, and we'll even throw in a free, limited-edition owl-themed GPS tracker for your cat. Because why should dogs have all the fun? Orbital Owl. We've got the world covered. Beak to Talon. Welcome to today's special episode. Brace yourself for a deep dive into the mesmerizing world of digital motion and human imitation. We're exploring an innovative paper straight from UC Berkeley titled Synthesizing Moving People with 3D Control. Imagine transferring someone's Olympic performance onto an image of anyone else, much like the figure skater Michelle Kwan's movements onto, well, me. Fascinating, right? It's like a sophisticated digital puppet show where the strings are complex algorithms. This paper heralds a paradigm shift in how we animate and replicate human movement from merely a single image. So what's under the hood of this technology? Two core components are the heart of this system, learning visual priors and rendering novel body poses. Hang on. What's a visual prior, you ask? It's essentially the system's best guess of what unseen parts of a person might look like considering a single given image. And rendering? It's the process of generating an image from a model. Here, it involves the magical task of synthesizing new body poses that look oh so real. The icing on the cake is the use of a cutting-edge neural network framework called diffusion models. These are engineered to fill in the gaps and create realistic textures and details. Now, for the magic to unfold, stage one requires completing a texture map from a single image. And stage two involves the rendering of those synthesized 3D humans to mimic the actions of the actor. Did we mention this is a two-stage model? First, they fine-tune a well-known diffusion in-painting model to predict complete texture maps, including unseen regions of a person's body. Then, a rendering diffusion pipeline projects intermediate renderings and presto, a realistic moving person. You'll find extensive experiments in the paper that showcase resilient performance across prolonged motions and diverse poses. And the best part, it only needs one run of stage one to get that complete texture map, unlocking a whole sequence of images while preserving both the target motion and visual similarity. To give credit where it's due, previous works also endeavored to tackle this animation challenge. Yet they often needed large data sets or faced difficulty capturing the full essence of human movement. In contrast, this paper's technique, dubbed 3DHM, boasts fine-grained motion control and enhanced visual fidelity in imitating human actions. Interestingly, they used a blend of videos from the 2K2K and Thuman 2.0 datasets, as well as people snapshot. With quantitative metrics like PSNR and SSIM to back it up, the paper confidently claims superior results over predecessors. Not just better quality, but the 3DHM also consistently outdoes previous methods in accurately capturing 3D pose data. It marks an exciting frontier for fields like filmmaking, virtual reality, and maybe even personal avatars. That's right. Imagine customizing your gaming avatar with your own set of unique moves. The implications are vast. But let's not gloss over the limitations. Producing frames independently could disrupt the visual consistency over time. They suggest potential remedies, though, like predicting multiple frames simultaneously. Closing the loop, the paper stands tall with a two-stage framework that synthesizes moving people with astonishing 3D control, catering to long video generations with varied poses. UC Berkeley's Frontier Tech paints a future where animations aren't static or generic, but tailored with a personal touch of reality. And that 
Dear listeners, wraps up today's episode, where we uncovered another marvel of artificial intelligence and its ability to mimic the poetry of human motion. Until next time, keep your tech curiosity strong and stay tuned for more deep dives into the heart of innovation. Do you ever feel like your dance moves belong in the last century? Fear no more. Introducing DigiDoppel Dance Studio, where we bring your groove into the future with a shimmy and a shake. No need for rhythm or coordination. Just send us a picture and choose from our catalog of funky moves by professional dancers. Want to moonwalk like MJ, twerk like Miley, or floss like a boss? Your digital twin does it all. And with our epic party pack, you can transform your entire family into a dance troupe with moves straight from Broadway. But wait, there's more. Sign up in the next 10 minutes, and we'll throw in a digital pet with the moves of a backup dancer, absolutely free. DigiDoppel Dance Studio, because why move when your digital twin can move for you? Disco ball not included. Welcome to our Deep Dive podcast episode, where today we're unraveling the intricacies of an intriguing research paper titled Scenes, Subpixel Correspondence Estimation with Epipolar Supervision. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. We're here to guide you through the maze of high-concept science transforming complex ideas into understandable chunks. Today's paper by Dominic A. Klopfer and colleagues from the Visual Geometry Group at the University of Oxford and Dylan Campbell at the Australian National University is a significant leap in the field of computer vision, a branch of AI concerned with how computers can gain a high-level understanding of digital images. Computer vision is a field that's roaringly relevant today, right, Tom? Absolutely, Jen. From facial recognition to autonomous vehicles, understanding visual information is vital. This paper deals with a foundational problem in computer vision, how to pinpoint matching points, called correspondences, between different views of a scene. We're talking about the precise subpixel locations that refer to the same point in 3D space. It's essential for understanding how cameras are oriented relative to one another and piecing together 3D models from flat images. Imagine replicating the exact pose of your last holiday photo years later. It's a tricky challenge that this kind of research addresses. And before we really dig in, let's clarify why this paper is particularly impactful. Prior to this development, most feature matching approaches needed finely detailed annotations, a very labor-intensive process. Not to mention, they didn't generalize well across different datasets. That's where Scenes changes the game. It introduces a p-polar geometry to the mix, allowing this method to learn from basic camera position information instead of requiring detailed 3D maps. It's less strong a cue than having detailed annotations, but it's still a step forward in training models to adapt to new environments with less initial information. Exactly, Tom. Think of epipolar geometry as a kind of geometric relationship within stereo cameras. It's like having two eyes. Each eye sees a slightly different view, and your brain uses the differences to understand the world in three dimensions. Moving to the core of the paper, the team's goal was to estimate these corresponding points at a sub-pixel level, a degree of precision that's incredibly sensitive. They used what's termed an epipolar loss function, which cleverly updates a neural network by comparing the expected line of sight from one camera to the actual point of correspondence in the second camera's view. Yet the cool part is, 
they were able to relax the need for known camera poses by using a technique called bootstrapping, where they start with estimated poses and let the algorithm iteratively improve on initial guesses. Right. They saw that while the queue was weaker, the network could still tune itself and improve its understanding of new environments. And the evaluation of this method on challenging datasets showed promising results. Their approach outperformed existing state-of-the-art methods in this space, suggesting a powerful potential for application in real-world environments. As for wider implications, Jen, this method could vastly improve robotic vision systems like those used in drones or autonomous cars. Devices could now continually improve their understanding of an environment without needing constantly updated 3D maps. Wrapping things up, Tom, what Scenes represents is a step towards more adaptable, efficient, and accurate computer vision applications. By reducing the dependency on strong supervision data and leveraging a more available form of input, camera poses, this approach stretches existing boundaries on how AI systems can learn from the world around them. And personally, Jen, I see this as a beacon of progress in the journey toward creating machines that see and comprehend as we do, matching the flexibility and insight of the human mind with the precision and recall of a computer's memory. There you have it, folks. Scenes, subpixel correspondence estimation with a people or supervision is a paper bringing clarity to a once hazy part of computer vision, showing us that even in the subpixel world, a little guidance goes a long way. Thanks for joining us on this explanatory odyssey. I'm Jen. And I'm Tom. Stay curious and keep listening for more explorations into the fascinating world of scientific research. Hey listeners, got an AI-powered camera that doesn't quite get your angle? Introducing Pixel Pals. Pixel Pals, your quirky personal AI buddies that understand the world in subpixel clarity. Whether you're a hobbyist drone flyer or an amateur robot surgeon, Pixel Pals have got your back. With technology inspired by the groundbreaking scenes research, they'll match your camera views more precisely than a squirrel finding its way back to its hidden acorn stash. Ever dreamt of a personal photographer who can recreate that perfect holiday shot you took years ago? Pixel Pal Steve is on the case. Just whisper a pippler and he'll magic up memories in millimeter perfect detail. And let's not forget Penny, your Pixel Pal bot that levels up your gaming experience. She's mastered every 3D map down to the subpixel, ensuring you'll never get lost in virtual reality again. Watch out, though. Pixel Pals are so detail-oriented, they might just start correcting your wall hangings and furniture alignment. With Pixel Pals, you won't just capture moments. You'll capture all the moments, plus some you didn't even know existed. It's not just photography. It's subpixelography. So don't be fuzzy. Get sharp with Pixel Pals because life's too rich for low-res friendships. Visit pixelpals.camera to order yours today and tell them Tom and Jen sent you for an extra subpixel of precision. That's pixelpals.camera because when it comes to detail, we've got the technology to spell it out. Terms and conditions apply. Pixels may be workaholics. Keep listening for more banter and enlightening moments. After all, we're just two pixels in this vast image of life. Back to the show. Welcome to another intriguing episode of our award-winning podcast, where today we'll be diving deep into a truly exciting development in the field of medical education and ophthalmology training, Retina VR. Yes, 
Retina VR is an innovative virtual reality simulation designed for teaching crucial vitreoretinal surgery skills, developed to be both affordable and portable for use with the MetaQuest 2 VR headset. So for anyone wondering what vitreoretinal surgery is, it basically refers to intricate procedures on the retina, the inner layer at the back of the eye, and the vitreous, which is like a gel-like substance filling the eye. Now, training for such microsurgical skills traditionally relies on direct patient contact, which can be fraught with ethical quandaries or on expensive simulators that many institutions, especially in developing nations, simply can't afford. This is where Retina VR steps in. Exactly, Jen. With the advent of low-cost VR headsets, Retina VR aims to make surgical training more accessible globally. The team behind this project has done commendable work in trying to level the playing field for ophthalmologists everywhere. Let's look at the paper that outlines their fascinating journey, shall we? This study team is bolstered by a collaboration between the Chum School of Artificial Intelligence in Healthcare in Montreal, Affiliated University Departments, and Polytechnique Montreal, among others. The paper begins by highlighting the significance of VR simulation within healthcare education, noting that it's become fundamental for training medical professionals. VR in this context grants an immersive interactive environment that allows for skill acquisition without risking patient safety. This technology isn't actually all that new in the field. The paper mentions progress in VR over the past two decades or so. But Retina VR isn't just any VR program. It's designed to run on commercially available VR headsets, like the MetaQuest 2, making it significantly less expensive and more accessible than most of the current training simulations. The research paper under discussion expounds on the development of Retina VR as an application software specifically for vitrectomy surgery training, which encompasses core vitrectomy, peripheral shaving, membrane peeling, and endolaser application. And I find it fascinating how their validation study juxtaposes the performance of 10 novice ophthalmology residents with that of 10 expert vitreoretinal surgeons, showcasing the VR system's construct validity. They demonstrate that performance in Retina VR correlates with the user's surgical runs, age, sex, and expertise. By doing this, they affirm the software's potential as a training tool. Shall we dive into the methodology and what they found? Absolutely, Jen. The creation of Retina VR skillfully involved combining the Unity 3D game engine with the MetaQuest 2 VR headset. It's cool how they sidestep the need for any external devices, relying solely on the headset's robust processors, cameras, and sensors. In development, the Retina VR team focused on an affordable and lightweight HP Reverb-wired setup initially, maxing out at 16 gigabytes of RAM and a Radeon RX 5700 XT graphics card. They didn't leave any stone unturned to ensure a quality VR experience. Let's talk about the actual training modules in Retina VR. They're divided into four parts. The navigation training works on navigation in the vitreous body. Tremor control assesses vitrector usage to move target spheres without touching the retina. And peeling control mimics membrane peeling. Lastly, laser precision involves the application of laser around retinal breaks. And the results these researchers collated are genuinely insightful. Although they didn't find statistical significance and efficiency between novices and experts across most modules, the experts were notably safer in the membrane peeling module, indicating the benefits of experienced hands. That's an important note, Jen. And participants did improve with each experimental run, 
underscoring the simulator's effectiveness in enhancing surgical skills over time. They also addressed user experience. Most feedback concerning the immersion and realism of the simulation was positive, but users suggested improvements for the controller's ergonomics and emphasized the need for better instructional support. The researchers acknowledge that while the simulator does have limitations, like the sample size in the study, it demonstrates a measurable and consistent learning curve, plus advantages coming from this kind of VR training. Certainly, Tom. Their analysis makes a compelling case for how gaming proficiency may decline with age and differs between sexes, but it systematically establishes that prior experience with gaming not innate abilities drove their findings. This paper essentially presents Retina VR as a game changer for vitreoretinal surgery training. It makes the technology not just a high-tech novelty, but a realistic staple for educational tools in medical institutions, especially in resource-limited settings. To wrap up, Retina VR promises a new direction in democratizing surgical training. It's affordable, high fidelity, and with ever-improving technology, it stands to benefit trainees and ultimately patients across the board. It's proof that with innovation and determination, we can truly revolutionize how we teach medicine. Has slicing a virtual grape left you wanting more from your surgical training? Want to tackle the worlds of retinas and vitreous bodies without the messy cleanup? Tom and Jen, introducing Retina VR. The latest, greatest, and most eye-popping experience in ophthalmological education. Got a MetaQuest too? Strap in for an eye-opening journey into the world of vitreoretinal surgery, all from the comfort of your couch. Wave goodbye to pricey simulators that cost an arm, a leg, and an eye. Retina VR is so affordable, you'll think it's a mistake. No hidden costs. No kidding. It's portable, too. Train on the train, master your craft in a cafe, or peel retinas at the park. And worry not about making mistakes. The only thing you risk is virtual patient satisfaction. With Retina VR, you'll be so good at virtual vitrectomies, you'll start seeing the world in a whole new light. So don't blink and miss this spectacle of surgical education. Retina VR, making the cut in VR surgical training. Tom and Jen, look no further. Your future is as bright as a dilated pupil with Retina VR.